2: Everybody jump, jump, jump. jump, Ah, yes, yes, yes.
1: A good Tuesday morning to one and all. It is Taz and the Moose with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. As we come to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams. With their help, they can help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. Mike Pete across the way. Brett Heller with your updates. Taz is out sick here on this Tuesday morning. Hopefully he feels better relatively soon. And,
2: uh... Andrew Bogus sitting in for Taz. What's going on, Bogus? How you doing, buddy? Moose, I'm doing well. Um, not to pull the curtain back too far, Taz might be sick. There's also a developing rumor that um, his untipped AC guy from Thanksgiving yeah. paid him a visit yesterday. A little Oh, of revenge, it could be that. And that's why he's not here today. <laughs> Taz is being held hostage. That's one thing I I, I do Tag think Taz pays. would be able to handle himself pretty well. If <laughs>
1: an untipped and AC, AC guy, guy did come to his apart, yeah. come to his
2: house. The AC guy's tougher than me, but yeah. he's not tougher than Taz. That's fair.
1: Uh so hopefully he feels better. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is eight five 4227 It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico, go to geico.com, dot com and in fifteen minutes you can save fifteen percent or more on your car insurance, and what was a, a very, very entertaining, Bogish, uh, Monday night game that went the Seattle Seahawks way last night, 37-30. They trailed early, trailed at the half, 17-10. Uh, steamroll with a, an unbelievable second-half performance to actually take a 34-17 lead in the fourth quarter before the uh, Minnesota Vikings were able to rally. and actually had the football Uh, Under three minutes to go, in hand, down four before they turn the football over on downs in their own end. The uh, Vikings were able to get a a field goal late to make it a 37-30 margin. Very, very good, very entertaining amongst the 12s last night up there in the great northwest. Very good Monday night game.
2: A very good Monday night game, except if you're the Vikings. I mean, they went into halftime. They executed perfectly right before intermission to get one more field goal to lead by a touchdown on the road, walking off, feeling good, making me think, hey, this is this is a defining win possibly for the Vikings and for Kirk Cousins, who still somehow has never won on Monday Night Football. It's now 0-8. And then they gave up 24 straight points into the fourth quarter from this game last night. Come back. Have the possibility of a chance for a tying possession, fumble with the last kickoff. So, yeah, great night for Seattle, but more to me this morning is about the Vikings, again, missing an opportunity to tell us just how good they might be.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, we're telling us I,
2: again how good they're not.
1: Well, no, I mean, listen, I I, I think that's fair in terms of the criticism of Minnesota. Um, you know, and, and Cousins has had a, a very, very good year throwing the football, even though he's had the deficiencies against teams over 500. You mentioned the record on Monday Night Football now being 0-8 after the latest loss. They did rally. Uh, you know, they did not... Uh, you know, they did not sheepishly go quietly into the night last night when they were down 34-17. They did make it a game. That Seattle defense is nothing to write home about because you can make big play after big play on on that Seahawk defense. Yeah, you know, I, I get it, I, you know, and I understand, and that would have been a kind of a, a statement victory for Minnesota, but I also look at, you know, aside from maybe – the 49ers, and now you throw the Seahawks in. Even though I look at Seattle, I think they are a beatable team. I think uh, the 49ers might be a little bit more of a difficult out than than Seattle is. Um, you know, Minnesota is one of those teams that is right there in the NFC. I mean, could you see them going on a run, you know, after their performance last night? Yeah, I mean, even before that. I mean, they were an 8-3 football team going in. Uh, now they're 8-4 after the loss. Um, there's things to like about the team. Dalvin Cook leaves the game with the shoulder injury, so they didn't have their star running back for the entirety of the game. Uh, you know, Cousins went well over two hundred pass attempts without an interception before the tremendous Trey Flowers pick last night. Uh there's things about to like about what this Minnesota team has been able to do this year to think that when they get to the playoffs that they're not going to be an easy out. Uh, it's a wide-open NFC,
2: no Yeah, but but they lost again. Like, that's to me, the all of those things make sense. All of those things are real. I, I, and, you know, they were in position to win. They didn't go away like you said. But in the end, they lost on the road in I a place it. that's really, a, a, as we know, a hostile place to play. And yeah, eight and four is nothing to 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 cry about. And their head coach is kind of shutting me up right after the game, saying everybody's you know, this is just one loss. We're eight and four. We have three division games left. Like nothing is done yet. And they may have a great December and quiet some doubts. But yes, could, could they go on a run? Could they win a road playoff game? They could. Um, but I but I just. I'm going to have to see it to believe it because they seem to let us down more often than not. No, I
1: I, I, and, I and that's fair. And you know, and I, I think kind of that's the drumbeat when you look at Minnesota is that they don't really play up to expectations. They underwhelm. The quarterback has been underwhelming in certain spots and cousins, but I'll tell you, you know, me personally, even in a loss, uh, I I did learn a little something about the Minnesota Vikings last night because I think when that game was 34-17, um, at that stage, I, I didn't think Minnesota would make it a game in the fourth quarter. I really didn't, and I, you know, to my surprise, I'm watching that game and they have the ball in the hand with an opportunity to win it late uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. I didn't think we'd have that opportunity. I didn't think we'd see that moment. I didn't think we'd see that series, and we did see it. Now I might be looking at it as the glass being half full instead of the glass being half empty, and that's fair. And you can criticize me for that, but. I do take that out of that loss last night is the fight and the comeback ability you saw from the Minnesota Vikings. They didn't climb the mountain. They didn't get all the way up to the top. I get it. But they did show some resiliency When that game seemed to have gotten away from them to try and get themselves back into it. And they did get themselves back into it. That says a lot. I don't think I remember seeing that Minnesota team being able to do that years gone by.
2: Well, And the the last time we saw them before this game last night was that ridiculous fourth quarter comeback. Second half comeback against the Broncos. But that was from a game that they almost, they should have lost at home to a lowly Bronco team. So they rescued that one. And you know when I just—I guess the overriding issue for me is when I look at their schedule and I go back through their season, they're eight and four, and it's this is going to sound like nitpicking, like they should be eight and four because they've beaten the eight teams that they're better than, and they've lost to the four teams that are better than them. Like there's not a win on there on their run that they you know that you didn't expect them to get. They lost to the Packers, they lost an ugly game to the Bears early in, De- in September. They lost in Kansas City and they lost this game last night. Their their best I don't even know what their best win would be. I mean, maybe in Dallas a couple of weeks a couple of weekends ago. So my point is like they've taken care of business when they should have. But I still need them to give me that kind of surprising, really impressive win that I didn't well, that see Well, that would have been the last night, and that's fair. Right.
1: And you can and, and you they can were be, they were halfway to it, well, and then I don't know
2: what happened after well, halftime.
1: Well, and, and listen, uh, the Seattle Seahawks battling the flu; a number of guys on that team, just like the New England Patriots were on Sunday night, where they had the you know the Patriots had those guys taking a separate plane down to Houston.
2: Um, you know, before and, you leave that thought, and not to go too far from the game last night, it. When you talk about the flu, this team, the Patriots, what New England did to stay you know, as healthy as they could be, it still amazes me that no other jet got mono from Sam yeah. Darnold, how fast that can spread. And the reason why these guys have the flu is because they share everything. Towels and water bottles and they're sitting next to them in the locker room. And that's how things spread. I can't believe no other jet. I, I would have bet a lot of money. Well, locker rooms are also like an incubator, too. right? Exactly. I, I mean th- for
1: germs, as I, we've seen. In I the bet past. on
2: nothing. You know this. I would have bet on more jets getting mono. How do they yeah. not get this? How do well, they fight the mono spread? Uh, well,
1: listen. I or guess did they're he not, not sharing. Have mono. They, right. Well, no. <laughs> well, they're, he, he had mono. He's not, he's not uh, sharing saliva with his teammates. But I mean, go. they're
2: throwing water bottles all around between each other. I, well, I guess when when he
1: started not feeling well, I guess they decided not not to do that with Donald. But yeah, listen, what you do take away from that game is, and we'll get to the Seahawks here perspective here momentarily, um, and that's a fair criticism of Minnesota. And listen, they've got work to do within the division as they trail the Green Bay Packers in that NFC North uh, after the Packers victory over the Giants on Sunday in the snow out at Midlife Stadium. Um, what, what the Minnesota Vikings need to do here is they do need that kind of signature victory. But maybe that signature victory comes in the postseason. Maybe that win comes there. Because last night, you know, it does hurt them, even though, uh, you know, Mattis did a nice job stepping in uh, for the injured Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, not having Cook on the field does hurt what Minnesota wants to do offensively. Um, and I, I thought Cousins... Uh, Even though he is much maligned by a lot of people that watch the NFL, that cover the NFL, that are up there in Minnesota, I thought Kirk Cousins played, aside from the tremendous interception by Trey Flowers, I thought Kirk Cousins played a pretty representable game because you know what? He was getting hit left and right because they were missing their left tackle. Uh, who went out in, in uh, went out due to injury, and the Seahawks were bringing pressure basically on every single down when they were up on when they were up thirty four seventeen. He was getting hit left and right.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think they lost last night because of Kirk Cousins, which is why you know the, that primetime record zero and eight on Monday night. I mean, it's it's almost it's just kind of a coincidence, not a full on judgment of him. Now he's had some stinkers obviously in those games, but. You don't win by yourself. You don't lose by yourself. And last night, sure, was there a player too that that he could have made that might have changed that game? Of course. Um, but the Dalvin Cook fumble in the third quarter, on which he got hurt. I mean, that the game changes there. So that's not on Cousins. Well, a yeah, he- fourth down throw
1: to Irv Smith on their final yeah. possession. You know, I, if Smith even makes that catch, I don't even know if it's a first down. Right. I mean, so, and and the throw was a little bit off, even though Booger McFarlane saying that, you know, he put it where he needed to put it. You know, that throw was a little bit off. He had the third down throw was knocked down at the line of scrimmage by Bobby Wagner, I believe. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I don't look at last night as the, I agree with you, as the reason why, and it would have been a first down as I'm watching the replay right now, when I watched it. it's very convenient it, to TV to give us a ex- replay. Ex- as we were exactly talking right. Talking it would have been, it. it would have been close, but it probably would have been a first down. Uh, Smith did get past the yellow line, but um, I don't put last night on Cousins, but he still ha-
2: it still hangs on him because he is the quarterback of the team. Right, of course. And, and it's. His play and your regard for him in the grand scheme of quarterbacks plays into what you think about them. I mean, he has been better. They had been on an uptick. They had been throwing the ball better. He remembered about Diggs. He remembered feeling before his injury. You know, they've established Dalvin Cook. You can he's part of the good things they can do, but he's also part of the bad things that can hold him back. Now, again, last night was not a game that goes on the negative side of things to hold against Kirk Cousins. But there were plays, again, that could have been made that might have changed the outcome of that one last night. And it's a game that was there for them. I, I'd feel differently, Moose, somehow, if they were, like, never in this game last night. And not blown out, but, like, let's just say Seattle basically led wire-to-wire, an impressive Seattle performance. I almost feel like I wouldn't be as negative on the Vikings this morning, as opposed to with the way last night went. Because they got to halftime strong, right down the field to start the game for the touchdown. They get points off their defense. They execute to get the field goal with one second left. to do everything right, which is an oddity these days. I don't know if it's a coaching thing or a player thing, but how many times on a Sunday do we watch teams mismanage end of halves, end of games? And That's they played fair. that one perfectly, made a field goal from distance, which gets harder and harder week to week as well. And they're walking off 17-10 in Seattle. And then not just to lose, but to... A twenty-four nothing run into the fourth quarter. It ju- it just was. It tells me again that they're not ready to be in that group with Seattle, New Orleans, and San Francisco. Yeah, and you're Green Bay right more, now.
1: You know, you're looking at twenty-four nothing run, and that's fair. You know, I'm looking more at the bounce back ability after the twenty-four nothing run, where I learned a little bit of something about Minnesota. But if you look at the landscape of the NFC right now and we'll get to the Seahawks and and where they stand coming up here in in a little bit probably after the the initial break here on this Tuesday morning uh Andrew is you look at the landscape of the NFC you got the Packers at nine and three. See, I like the Vikings more as a team than I do like the Green Bay Packers because that Packers defense is an absolute sieve. Now, I do trust Rodgers more than Cousins, right. but I'm talking about as a team. Yeah. No, I do I hear like you. I do like Minnesota more than Green Bay, right? New Orleans is a championship caliber team. Seattle is obviously a championship caliber team. The 49ers are a championship caliber team. The Rams, who are on the outside looking in right now, are not. Um, you know, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys, whoever comes out of that dopey NFC East and that god awful NFC East. Now, one of those two teams are a championship caliber team. You're looking at right now, sitting on that list, the Minnesota Vikings are probably the fourth
2: team that you trust right now in that NFC. Are they not? Yeah, you trust them more than the Packers. I do. I I, I think they're they're probably interchangeable at like three and four. Um, but I get. I, yeah, that's a that's a really good question, Moose. I one, four, and five because you're I'm trusting sorry. Seattle, right. trusting
1: the 49ers, trusting yeah. the Saints. All so, three of those teams have separated themselves from the rest of the
2: NFC. And I, and I think that's that a debate about the Packers or Vikings, right? And I think then that's my answer is that the those three teams are here, and then there's a little bit of a gap between Green Bay slash I think that's Minnesota. Fair. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're nitpicking on just how good the Vikings are, but I just, I thought they were in, I'm disappointed that they had a chance no, last night well, to last shut th- some people up and they let them slip through their fingers.
1: Well, and especially when you have the storyline going into the game that, you know, there are a number of Seahawks that are battling the flu. Yeah. You're looking at a Seattle team that at times this year has shown you inconsistency. I mean, they had a remarkable comeback. You mentioned the remarkable comeback that the Vikings had against the Denver Broncos. Seattle had another one where they were nip and tuck with the Tempe Buccaneers. Yeah. Who in went up there In Seattle, who went up there and basically lit up that defense with Jameis Winston. That was not exactly a tour de force performance. So it's a Seahawks team that has shown you great resiliency in finding ways to win, even as ugly as they might be for Pete Carroll this season,
2: I think it's they're nine and one now in one score games this season. Only New Orleans is better; they're seven and zero. But the the oddity of Seattle right now is we're sitting here, and as we're projecting them, the way this year has gone, you almost want to play them in Seattle as opposed to have them come to your place because they're better on the road this year. They have been better than on the road. they are at home. Which makes no sense that you'd almost want to go to Seattle, but they, but somehow they're more beatable there than they are on the road.
1: Well, it's interesting as an offense, you don't want to play in Seattle because you can't hear anything, right? Uh, you know, and and the penalties. We know even though Minnesota was not penalized, heavily penalized last night, I think they had three or four penalties on the game. That's it. Uh, I think the Seahawks only had one penalty, so it was a relatively clean game. We're not talking about the officiating after a Monday night game, which is kind of refreshing. Uh, But you're right about that. Seattle seems to kind of, uh, for a team mentally, they're able to um, play a lot cleaner football game um, on the road and a lot sharper of a game on the road as compared to being at home, which is amazing when you think about it. But it does tell you a lot about the team, and it gives you great confidence in what that team would, you know, say they don't end up, you know, being the the number one seed in the NFC. The fact that you'd have confidence that Seattle could take their game on the road come the postseason in the NFC playoffs.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's um, it's making me sit here as we as we look at the what the the playoff picture is this morning. That there's going to be a double-digit win team playing on the road. Yeah in round one against whatever slop fest survives the NFC East yep um I'm open to a conversation of just, you get in because you win your division, but then we line teams up one through six by record and go from there.
1: Yeah, I can't do that. No? I, you know why? I, because I think there's got to be something of it in terms of winning the division. Yeah, I you get, get in. No, when you might I, not get in. I, no, I get it. You get in, and, and you're in the playoffs, but you know, you should be rewarded. It's not the Cowboys or Eagles' fault that the division's that bad. I well, mean, it is, because they're that bad. No, no, I get it, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. My point well, being is that, on the whole, when you look at that, it, you're right, they are that bad. That didn't really make make much sense but the point being is that I look at I do think for winning your division you need to be rewarded I I do believe that I I, you know I I don't think let me ask you this would you do the same thing in the baseball playoffs uh you know yeah you know what if you have a wild card team that's got more victories than a division
2: winner yeah because again I think the the reward is getting in when you wouldn't have gotten in if we were just like base, you know, we we're just going one through 15 or whatever it is now, one through 14. Um, I, I So I think that's your reward is just that you have a guaranteed spot in the playoffs by winning your craptastic division. Yeah, you know. So you shouldn't, you know, if, if Dallas or Philadelphia gets in at eight and eight and they've got to host a 13 win Niner team because the Seahawks were 14 and two. And won the West? No, I, I get it. I
1: get it. But, I mean, they'd be the sided underdog in the game. And if the 49ers are that good, they should be able to win that football game. Correct. Uh, you know, depending on, regardless of where that game is being played. Whether it's being played Dallas or whether it's being played on the moon. Uh, they should be able, <laughs> able to win that game. I, I understand the point that you're making is that. An alarm has went off and well, headquarters. But then, but Can then we play
2: on the moon? But
1: the, yeah, Right. The other thing is, is then, then you're looking at the regular season is, do you want to get rid of divisions altogether? I mean, you could make that argument as well to where then you're just having the best records line up at the end of the year. You're doing right. very similar to where, you know, what you do in the NBA playoffs and, and where in terms of, you know, there being the divisions, but you're based on the, uh, the playoff rankings is based on, you know, what's going on in terms of uh, your record.
2: Although you do get home court in round one, Mikey B, of basketball drives if you win your division, or you can you play on the, start on the road if a team, like the second team in the Atlantic, has a better record than the central winner?
0: You know, I'm not sure. I'd have to check that. I believe the
2: the team that wins the division gets the home the home court, but I have to double check. Hockey has a well. They used to do it the best way when they would reseed after every round, so you always had the the correct matchup, the easiest pass for the for the highest thing, uh, for the highest seed. They um, don't do that anymore. They no, no. That, now they have the worst setup. Correct. Now um, they have the, they right, completely now they robbed have... themselves of the best matchup. Right matchups. now
1: they right now they've made it even more confusing. Listen, but
2: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm prepared to be angry because what. Because here's my how my head works. The Cowboys, in particular, they're going to win the division at maybe eight and eight, nine and seven, and then they're going to win that game on weekend number one. as a double digit team, and then we're going to have all sorts of Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett, love fest. Cowboys are fine, and that's so, so. I'm I'm really down the road on the way things are playing out right now. So I'm like preparing to be angry. About something that's not going to happen. No, I but get that's it. How I work. No,
1: I, I I get it. See, I'm one that if you're good enough, you'll win. Yeah, um, I, you know that's that's the way I look at it. Most uh, times, you know, I you know, and I and I get it um, in terms of home field ha- playing a role in terms of and you would rather be home than the rather be home than be away. Uh, I don't deny that, but I do think that divisions should still be rewarded in the NFL. Um, but. You know, it's an interesting discussion. What's your thoughts at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227? As amazingly enough, you know, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson deserve all the love in the world. We're going to give them a little bit of that uh, for the job that they continue to do up there in Seattle with the Seahawks. We'll discuss, we'll explain, we'll get into that next. It's Taz of the Moose. Taz is out six. Bogish is in the house here on this Tuesday morning. Right here, CBS Sports Radio. Give Taz and the Moose a call.
0: 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227.
1: It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Bogus in for Taz, who's off here on this Tuesday morning, out sick. Mark Malusis with you, as always, as we take you right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time here on this Tuesday morning. We'll get into the Seahawks perspective. Did Wilson get himself back into the MVP race with his performance last night? And how about the job that Pete Carroll continues to do up there in Seattle? We'll get into that next. Uh, Brett Heller's got the updates this morning. What's going on, Brad? morning, guys. Good to morning. be back
0: with you. Good,
2: Good morning. Good to see you again. I'll interrupt you momentarily since I'm in Taz's seat. So okay. Stand by.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I get, I'm prepared now. Yes. I'm prepared for this. All right. We will start, guys, with the Monday night game. <laughs> <laughs> so I wake up on Thanksgiving. The uncomfortable
1: pause for Brett. <laughs> <Well,
0: laughs> You know, I'm Not just no, waiting where we're for gonna it. Go. Yeah, I'm yeah. just no, waiting for it. No, you can go. You can okay. go. You know, I'm, I'm, no, you I'm can't filling go. in. Yes, you could go. Okay. Yes. Right. <laughs> One more pause and begin. The Seahawks, they <laughs> they win their fifth in a row as they beat the Vikings in the Monday night game and take over first place in the NFC West. Medcalf, far side wide. Russell's got time. He's got David Moore wide open. Moore makes the catch. 15-10-5. Touchdown, Seahawks. 60 yards. Steve Rabel on Seahawks radio. One of two touchdown passes for Russell Wilson. The other to Rashad Penny, who also ran one in. The Seahawks held off the Vikings, 37 to 30. They're tied with the Niners atop the division at 10 and two, but own the tiebreaker. The Vikings are now eight and four, a game behind the Packers in the NFC North, and Kirk Cousins is now 0 and eight on Monday night. I think we have a football team that can go on the road to a tough environment and and, and get a win. Um, I think that this was an opportunity we, we missed, and uh, it's disappointing. But, um, um, you know, I think tonight we were able to uh, at least show a resilience. Dalvin Cook. You know, Benji,
2: if I may jump in here for just okay. a second, uh, okay. you know, talking about the Seahawks since Seattle okay. reminds me of the Kingdome. Uh, I fought there one time in the Kingdom. I don't know if you guys ever been oh, done anything in there. Hey, what do you? No, what are you? Pete? What year was that? <laughs> in 1955. Yeah, fifty five. Nineteen fifty five. Yeah, opened the kingdom. It, it was some match. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Brad. Back to you. Okay. Proceed. <laughs> Where's Tri- Weird Al? Where's the Weird Al song?
1: <laughs> I think. I think we All need right, Taz Brad. back to do Taz. <laughs>
0: I think we've I think that's what we need back. All right, that's over. Dalvin Cook, a touchdown run. He did leave this game though with a shoulder injury. Meanwhile Mewon... <laughs> Go ahead, Brad. Just continue. <laughs> Am I still on Thanksgiving yeah, break? What's no, happening right let's now? Let's go. All right, the Jaguars going back to rookie Gardner Minshew, quarterback for the rest of the season. Nick Foles played just ten quarters in his return. From the broken collarbone. NBA twelve straight wins for the Bucks.
1: Giannis, top of the key. Another three pointer straight away and good again. He's hit three. ABC. Easy as one, two, three for the alphabet, and a shutter ran through the entire NBA as he continues <laughs> to hit
0: threes. That's Ted Davis on Bucks Radio. Giannis finished with 29 points and 15 rebounds in just 22 minutes. The Bucks hammered the Knicks in Milwaukee 132 to 88. They're an NBA best. 18-3. The Warriors an NBA worst 4-18. and They lost to the Hawks 104-79. Atlanta snapping a 10-game losing streak. A 12 nothing run for the Suns to end the game as they top the Hornets 109-104. The Sixers stayed perfect at home, beating the Jazz 103-94. College football Washington head coach Chris Peterson is going to step down after the bowl game. The 55 year old finishing up his sixth season leading the Huskies. They won two Pac-12 titles and also earned the playoff berth in 2016, defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake will take over. From baseball, the Reds giving free agent infielder Mike Boustakas a four-year deal worth $64 million. The A's sending second baseman Jerickson Profar to the Padres for catcher Austin Allen and a player to be named. And The Athletic is reporting that the Yankees are going to meet with both free agents Steven Strasburg and Garrett Cole over the next couple of days. They share the same agent in Scott Boris. Well, there Guys. you go.
1: And I, th- what was the date that Strasburg laid down? December 8th or 9th that he wanted to have a deal done by? I think that was the case. There was a report so a couple The meetings weeks back. open then. Yes. The uh,
2: winter meetings.
1: Well, yes, that's exactly it. So he wanted that deal done early. A lot of people believe that he's not going to leave Washington. We'll see in terms of uh, what the offer and, and just how deep those negotiations go with the Yankees with both Cole and Steven Strasburg as they serve, uh, as they try and get that guy at the top end of that rotation that puts that rotation over the top and maybe being a little less reliant on the bullpen as well, uh, even though you know Blake Trinan, who just got non-tendered by the Oakland Athletics, the reports yesterday that the Yankees, amongst other teams, are interested in maybe bringing off Trinan, who had a great 2018, who had a .78 ERA in 2018,
2: but was a disaster last year in that A's bullpen. So just to recap, Moose, you, uh, you did not like my Taz no. impersonation? No, okay. did not. Okay. Heller, Keith.
1: good job. Heller is Thank basically you. left uh, dumbfounded over he's <laughs> yeah, like, wh- there. Right. Just, well, he's, he's like, "What was going on?" Walked into a
0: firestorm,
1: right? Well, he's like, "Bogus fought." Yeah, I don't think he's ever fought in his life. We're still workshopping like, it. What? The fifties. Yeah. You know. I, I think that. I think that should have remained out in the bullpen.
2: It'll be. Uh, it'll be better in twenty twenty. We're going to finish strong here in December. Yeah, well, uh, your Taz isn't great,
0: to be honest. Well, you laughed. Laugh. Okay, you, <laughs> I laughed
2: at the failure. Uh, that's fine. I'll take a laugh. Whatever. Usually how people it. are laughing at me. So don't worry about that it. That is a great response. I, I laughed, laughed at, at the, the failure. failure. Uh,
1: now, that's good uh, enough for me. Pete, I, your thoughts.
2: Eh. <laughs> hey, the cough was for you. The cough was dedicated to you. That's right. Uh, you needed a little more uh, in the background, no. a little more timber, uh, a little more timber. Uh, yeah. Pop. There you go. Uh, hello. Talk to you next time.
1: You got it. Um, as we're talking a little bit about the Monday night game, And I'll tell you, you Lamar Jackson I still think is the, uh, right now, the deserving favorite to be the MVP of the league. Uh, But Russell Wilson continues to impress. Uh, You know, just as impressive as Lamar Jackson has been. You know, you look at what, you know, for years for Pete Carroll, what defined that team was that defense, what defines the Seattle Seahawks right now. You know, they ran for 218 yards as a team last night. Uh, they got the, you know, Carson, as long as he can hold on to the football, is a power back. Uh, they got Rashad Penny, as long as his weight is under control. Former first round draft choice coming out of San Diego State a couple years ago. Uh, we've seen what he could do the past couple weeks for that Seahawks team. They developed guys. David Moore, a seventh round draft choice, catching touchdowns last night. Bring in the likes of, uh, uh, you know, bringing in the likes of a DK, you know, a uh, uh, Metcalf in the draft too. People were knocking coming out of Ole Miss as being kind of a workout warrior, one trick pony, only one running one route tree down at Ole Miss. Look at what Metcalf continues to do and star up there in Seattle. Bringing Josh Gordon off the scrap heap from the New England Patriots. You know, developing a young tight end as well. You know, the offensive line has gotten better. What defines that the Seattle team now is Wilson and that offense. It's no longer that defense, even though there's a lot of still a lot of big names on that defense. Bobby Wagner, uh, Ziggy Ansah, who got hurt last night. Uh, we know Jadavian Cloudy who they acquired from the Texans right before the start of the NFL regular season. A lot of stars, big names on that defense, but what defines that Seahawks team is that offense.
2: Where there are all those weapons that you just laid out, and if this is the beginning, that's the second straight week where Rashad Penny has been a real weapon, and if Carson can stay healthy, a little scare early last night, if those two guys are going, that allows, obviously, Russell Wilson to make better throws and have easier throws to make and have more damage done possibly through the air. Um, but it, this is the beginning of what you know how they're going to finish with those two guys in tandem. I mean, they had what like 180 yards of combined offense last yeah. night and three touchdowns. Um, Penny can can catch the ball too. Carstens a bulldozer. I mean, if this is the beginning, uh, and it, you know it. It kind of throws into what we talked about in the opening segment about their ability to win on the road. I mean, that's the kind of production that's going to travel anywhere: road, home, yep. night, day, bad weather, fine weather. If those two guys are their lead weapons on offense, they're going to be tough to beat and it's going to make up for the issues cuz like you said there are big plays to be made against that defense. Now they are opportune and they make some big plays in the other direction and Clowney's looming there for them as a as a big time producer. Um but yeah, then that's this is what they've envisioned. This is the way they wanted to be. This is why they have those two guys there and they're finally living up to I think the in-house expectations.
1: Do they what do you think Wilson needs to do over the last 4 weeks? Uh, last month of the regular season uh to get
2: over the hump of Lamar Jackson in terms of the MVP Kenny I, I he he can but I think it's almost more about what Lamar doesn't do in this last month I think Jackson That's has to fair. open the door for will at least in my mind like I, I would vote for Lamar today if I could if I had a vote and we were doing it today he'd be my guy so it would take a lot for him to drop back behind Wilson because I you know obviously if Wilson throws Four straight games of 304 touchdowns, different conversation. But a, a normal production, normal course of action over the last four games, I think it's about Jackson maybe having a little mini slump that lets Russell jump ahead of him.
1: Well, I mean, listen, uh, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think, you know, Jackson, uh, perception is reality. Reality is perception. Uh, Lamar Jackson right now, uh, with the way that the Ravens have played, the fact of who they have beaten as well, Kind Of all these statement victories, home against the 49ers, home right. against the New England Patriots, uh, you know, stylishly uh, the way they did de- about as aggressive as they have been, um, you know, kind of how charismatic, uh, you know, the and really kind of how engaging the Lamar Jackson story is to the outside public, where you know, Bill Poley and the like, nobody giving him a chance coming out of Louisville to be a quarterback in the NFL. I think people are drawn to that and kind of stunned at how badly he threw the football last year and how well he has thrown the football this year. Now the Ravens are averaging over 200 yards a game on the ground, so it's easier to throw the football or easier. The passing lanes are going to be a little bit easier to throw to um, when you are that dominant on the ground. But I think his story and the way that he has performed and who they have beaten, um, I I think right now is giving him a pretty distinct edge over Russell Wilson uh, although I, and I agree with you, I think it's about what Jackson does not do. Now in terms of in terms of Carroll, um you know, he does get he gets talked about some. A lot of people like to talk about that coaching gaffe and the Super Bowl against the Patriots where they didn't ran, run it and, and they threw real. it. Yeah, he's never gonna th- live that down? No, never gonna live it. however, um he's great. And, you know, sometimes we throw the word great around a lot. Um and sometimes it's it's undeserving in terms of who we attribute it to. For Pete Carroll, he is not a good he is a great coach. Uh, and a great NFL head coach where a lot of people thought he was just going to be a great, you know, when he was having success at USC, Oh, he's, you know, that rah-rah kind of attitude, the excitement, win the day, all that kind of nonsense that he spews. Well, not nonsense, all that kind of stuff that he spews. It's not going to – guys that are getting paid millions aren't going to buy into it. I'll tell you this, you know, what impresses you about Carroll, very similar to what happens up in there in New England, the way that they have changed and adapted based on opponent – the way that the roster has changed, uh, certainly having a quarterback like Russell Wilson does help. But uh, Carroll, uh, you know, I, I am so impressed with how much he is able to get out of his team
2: each and every year. It's really remarkable. Well, and and a lot of the problems that they're now kind of recovering from, so to speak, are because of him and that Super Bowl. I mean, the the, the defense kind of. You know he lost the defense, and then they throw in economics and guys getting older, and so that's why Richard Sherman left, and things have gotten Losing ugly. Chancellor of that injury,
1: right. for and, his I career, mean, and he
2: was the guy that who was who gave him the finger when he was hurt and didn't want it. Was that Earl Thomas? Earl Thomas, right? I, I was going to say He's Now a for member a of the Ravens, right. ironically enough. So I mean, like there, there's been some issues there that were kind of created by him and that decision when they lost the Super Bowl, and now to reshuffle with a a completely new personnel group on defense, and then finding all of these new pieces for Wilson to have on offense, I mean, that's, you know, the Patriots, the length of their dynasty defies explanation, but it's almost kind of been a straight line. Like there's been no dip. The, the, The Seahawks had a dip. The Seahawks were on the verge of maybe having to change everything because of, the way those two, you know, season or two went after the Super Bowl loss, and yet they stayed the course, they reconfigured things, and he brought them back from a place that he helped put them in.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? Don't disagree. And it, what amazes me is remember how many times the Seahawks would win ugly based on that defense, the defense right. making a stop, and it would be like a, you know, 21-17 final or a 2014 final, and Wilson would just do enough and make the one big play late or the one big fourth-quarter drive to put that team over the top. Now it's a matter of, you know, it's, it's the offense. I mean, it, it's all about the offense up there in Seattle. It's about Wilson making plays. It's about running the rock. It's about the passing game. It's about big plays on offense. And it's hopeful that the defense, I'll be honest with you, when the Minnesota Vikings got the ball last night 34-30 with how easily the Vikings moved up and down the field on the previous two drives... I wasn't so sure that Seahawks defense was going to get a
2: stop. I know, I know. And then they got stops, and because even you know Dalvin Cook, I, he had twenty nine yards. That's it when he got hurt in the third quarter. Nine so carries. He he was not having a huge game before this, and I guess it's now a chest injury. It was called a shoulder by the team, and he called it a chest after the game. Okay, that had been a, it had been a thing for him in previous weeks, and he, he aggravated it. Either way, you know, he was not having this huge running, steamrolling game before he got injured. They took the ball away twice in the second half. They played defense while the offense scored all those points and turned the turnovers into points. Yeah, I mean it was it was halftime halftime sucks sometimes. You almost wish that coaches had the ability to kind of wave off intermissions. Because I think the Vikings wanted to keep going at that well, point. Well, Seattle did not. Right. And so they, you come out and things completely flip just because you got to walk off the field for 18 minutes and go back into your clubhouse and talk about and things. make those
1: adjustments. Yeah, It's Taz in the Moose Bogish is in the house. Uh, Taz is off. He is – well, he's not off. He's out sick this morning. Well, he's off technically, but he's under the weather. Uh, as we roll right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time, coming up later on in the program <laughs> – Uh, We're going to be joined uh, by uh, Steve Diasi is going to join us, NFL analyst, former NFL linebacker. We're going to talk a little Pats with him, does radio up there in Beantown. Uh, We'll chat with Steve. He'll join us coming up your way later on the program. We'll get into the quarterback change once again down in Jacksonville and how not every road could point to Philadelphia if you're Nick Foles. Well, you hope it would because he's a different player there than everywhere else. It's Taz and the Moose on a Tuesday morning, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. Certainly are. Did you see what was on CBS last night? Well, Rudolph the Red-Nosed
2: Reindeer. Uh, I I did see that. Did you watch? We did. I did not watch that last night. You did no. not watch Rudolph? No. I knew. I I only saw it as it was happening. I didn't know it was coming up. So I think by that time we were in, entrenched in a cooking show somewhere. My kids love baking shows. So I think we were watching, like, Holiday Baking Challenge or something like that. Really? Yeah. On the Food Channel? Uh, your cooking Channel, maybe. One of those Do they the same thing, basically. But, yeah, one of those... Uh of Player of the Week
1: is brought to you thingies. by Granger. Let's take a look at the one who got it done this week. It's <laughs> Tobias Harris. Harris scored oh. 26 points as the Sixers beat the Jazz 103-94 uh, in Philadelphia. The Player of the Week is brought to you by Granger. Granger's got your back when it comes to the safety and industrial supplies that keep your facility running. Get what you need when you need it at Granger.com. Now, I bring up uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because, I, you know. Oh, there's a reason. Well, yesterday was the 70th anniversary. 70 years ago. Do we have it, Pete? That hit it. Oh, we don't have it just yet. Anyway, 70 years ago, the song What's came out. What's he doing back there? I don't know. Pete, well, I threw something, cur- a little curveball at him at the last minute. 70 years ago, yesterday, that song came out: Rudolph the Red-Nosed
2: Reindeer. Who originally sang it? Uh, I mean, was just it Gene look- Autry? Okay. Wasn't it Gene Autry for this special? For like uh, the Climation I don't know if it, one?
1: I don't know. I think the the famous rendition. I believe
2: had a very shiny. Yeah, nose. Uh, this is
1: and this is the famous. The ori- saw, I don't know who sang it originally, you uh, but I mean this nose. is the famous one. Then. The the special was on last night. That is a that is a Malus's household tree. We have it on the DVR. Okay. I think I would say Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when it comes to holiday specials and Christmas specials, I think it's better. I enjoy Rudolph more than the Grinch. Agreed. More than Frosty.
2: Okay. More than
1: Frosty Returns. Do you enjoy Baby New Year, which is a kind of a Rudolph spinoff? No, no. Uh, no. Where Rudolph is a part of it, and it's Shut Baby it New Year out, baby. and everything like that. Which never heard is of that. you've never heard Rudolph of Baby uh, No Baby New Year? It, I think it's it, Rudolph's like kind of part of the group of different claymation that's that's in that one
2: as well. I mean, and that the all of those how they're made back then with like the puppets and the claymation and like, it's amazing. This, it's amazing. It really is amazing. But Yukon um, Cornelius, I mean, I
1: could right. watch Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer. Like every night, I really could. If it's running on a loop at the Malus's household, I'm a happy camper. I think there's so many great scenes in that movie. How the elf wants to be a dentist. Yukon <laughs> Cornelius. Uh, you know the the island of misfit toys. Right. Uh, you know how Donner was a jerk. Uh, you know Comet. Uh, you know was not Comet was the coach. His friend Fireball, which turned on him as well. You know, how Rudolph fell in love. Rudolph was there then to save the day. Like, the story is just amazing.
2: It is, I would not separate it from Frosty. I think those two—that's the the pantheon of these, this era of specials. Yeah. Everything else, the Grinch is a distant third. It's kind of like the the Vikings in comparison to the Saints and the Seahawks. Oh, nice football and the reference. Nice sports the reference there. They're bringing it around for um, a But yeah, it's amazing. Like for all of the innovations that we have now in CGI, like these shows, this, and it's these two really in particular that have somehow survived this long. And are still like watchable.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, they're still watchable and enjoyable. See, I like the Grinch more than you do. I uh, see. I think the Grinch is right behind Rudolph the Red Nose. Have Grinch. you seen the like the newest one? Yes. The yeah, the movie. The movie was great. The cartoon movie.
2: Yeah. Okay. No,
1: not Jim Carrey. Not Jim Carrey. Is the that movie was awful. Okay. I saw that in the theaters. That was not a. That was not a good movie. That was not, that was not a good movie. I I did not enjoy Jim Carrey being over the top. I mean, right. as the, the great Jim Carrey. Right, as the that was that was a little much. I, I did not enjoy that. Uh, that to me is not. I, I would not. I would not. I think I watched that once in the theaters. I've not gone back and watched that again. But okay. the cartoon and the movie that came out, we went out to the theaters last year and watched it. I thought it was very, very good. All right,
2: so it has got the Moose stamp of approval. Yeah,
1: and I don't think. I, and I hate when people say, "Oh, it's too early for Christmas music." It's not too early. It really isn't. It's, it's tis the season, though. No? Yeah,
2: well, it can't. It's got to be post Thanksgiving. Like, well, I agree that one. once
1: Thanksgiving is over, the next in. day we're in. Then we're in. Yeah. Are especially, you not especially but,
2: this year because it was so late
1: Thanksgiving? But there are some people that say it's got to be two weeks out or three weeks no, out. No no no, 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 that's nonsense. No. No, give me a little Alvin and the Chipmunks, which is, that's constantly spinning on our, on the, uh, in uh, my wife's car throughout the course of the holiday season. My kids love Alvin and the Chipmunks and, uh, and their Christmas CD. That's, that's a fantastic
2: one as well. Well, because part of my argument is I want Christmas to go past the 25th. And if you start too soon, then by the time Christmas actually gets here, you're kind of tired of it. Well, like, right. I, I want to go into January with Christmas stuff too, so you got to wait. See, post Thanksgiving at the earliest. You and I, we sh- once
1: Christmas is over, the twenty sixth, I don't need to hear another Christmas. Really, song. you're out that fast? I'm done. Maybe that the twenty seventh, huh? I can make it to, but by the twenty seventh, I don't need to hear Alvin. I don't want to hear Rudolph. It's I don't Valentine's here. Day, kids. Yeah, I don't. No, <laughs> it's on to the New Year. That's what it is. We'll get into Falls and Jacksonville and a new quarterback down there. We'll get into that next. As Moose, CBS Sports Radio